The Artineal Challenge has long been on the Irish mountain dwellers' calendar. Hikers and ultra runners gather in the depths of winter at night to complete a 60km gruelling course. I say course, but there's no actual official route. Not only are participants facing into the darkness of winter, but they also have to self-navigate over open mountains with almost no actual trails to use. Some might say that those that run the route are lunatics for running in those conditions. The runners are probably looking back at the walkers with awe as they continue into the bleak winter night. So, why are they doing this? Why am I doing this? Well, last year, I myself took part in the challenge as a runner. Unfortunately, I dropped out early due to a multitude of reasons, conditions, I ran too fast. But this year, I'm going again with the sole purpose of completing it. The more time I've spent with this challenge in my head, the more fascinated I became with the history of it. Who was Art O'Neill? Why is the course named after him? Normally when a race or a course is named after a person, it usually means that they're not around anymore. Turns out Art hasn't been around for a couple of centuries. I've wanted to do a podcast about the Art O'Neill Challenge for a while, but it wasn't until I came across my guest that I felt that we could do a good job about it. Jane Casey is a fellow hiker and content creator from Wicklow. Over the past few months, she has been documenting her curiosity around Ireland on social media. She offers bite-sized history lessons about things that we all walk by unknowingly every single day. And in a country like Ireland, that is steeped in history and folklore, she has plenty of subject matter to get through. When I introduced Jane to the topic of Art O'Neill and the challenge, she was excited to be involved. While Jane is not a historian, she does her research very well and she came to the show very well prepared. So, if you're taking part in this year's challenge or you're just a curious Casey like Jane, this is an episode you won't want to miss. This is The Hiker Podcast. I am Owen Hamilton. And this is a conversation about the Art O'Neill Challenge with Jane Casey. Thanks for joining me, Jane. Thanks for having me, Owen. Really lovely to be on. Big fan of the app. Good stuff. Yeah, and you're enjoying all those historical maps? Uh, yeah, I've had a deep dive through them. I mean, I'm a nerd about maps as well. Like, I, I can't, I, I'm actually embarrassed to tell you how many atlases I had. I actually remember I got an atlas for Christmas when I was a child. Love maps. Absolutely yeah. love maps. No, it's brilliant. Well done. No, thanks very much. Uh, well, it's not all me. Uh, the, 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 the guys are, are still working hard right now as we speak, uh, building the app. Okay. Um, so, as I said, like the Art O'Neill Challenge, it's it's a, a, a <laughs> memorial run. It's a charity run, but it's a memor- it's, it marks the um, the escape or the events of the escape back in 1592 of Art O'Neill, uh, his cousin, I believe, uh, Henry O'Neill and Red Hugh O'Donnell. I might have uh, completely butchered the names there. Dead right. No, no dead, dead right. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I've done my research. On the nose. Um, and uh, they they escaped Dublin Castle uh, from from the, the, the their English prisoner uh, uh, captors captors, and they fled through the city and, and ran up to, into the Wicklow Mountains in the middle of winter and in the middle of night. Um, why why did they do that? How did they get to that point? And oh, I suppose what is the significance of this event? It's pretty brutal, isn't it? It's, it's uh, rough. It it really kind of shows what Ireland was like back then. Like it it really was wild. 
absolute yeah. wild. And also to say you're in good company because um, Art O'Neill himself also failed the challenge. Uh, because he did. He <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he made it slightly did. further than I did, but yeah. yeah. A little bit further. Yeah, so look, um, I'm going to caveat all this with, uh, I didn't know much about Art O'Neill before you got in touch with me, um, but then when you brought it to my attention, I took a deep dive into it. Um, Ireland at the time, I actually don't know an off, or I didn't know an awful lot about the kind of political divide in Ireland at the time around the 1500s, um, because obviously we were under British rule, so it was the 1200s, that in 800, 800 years as we know, that's when the Normans came over and uh, took over Ireland, and it was a couple hundred years after that. And what I actually didn't really know was that even though we were under British rule, there was still, um, I guess, Irish nobility and uh, particularly family dynasties that mm. had control of specific areas, um, which is, you know, from like there's a lot of moving parts into the story. It's awfully political. I'm going to try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, but yeah, there was an awful lot of uh, Irish that still had control of their own lands and it was very Game of Thrones-esque. Um, mm. There was yeah. a lot of fighting. There was a lot of... Uh, backstabbing literally um, between families to gain control of these areas. And one of these dynasties was called were called the O'Neills of Tyrone. Uh, it's not County Tyrone as we know it now. It was much bigger than that. Uh, Tyr Owen, I think, um, is it in Irish, which, I mean, I did pass Irish, but Land of Owen, uh, something like that. Um, <laughs> it's my so land. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Owen doesn't feature in this, whoever he is. But um, yeah, so look, the O'Neills were one of Ireland's most well-known uh, dynasties. Um, and as I said, there was plenty of land that was still under Irish rule, even though the English were actually governing the entire country. So Art O'Neill himself, he was a Gaelic leader, and he was the son of Shane O'Neill and Catherine McLean. Mm-hmm. McLean was uh, Scottish. She was from a Scottish family. Um, so it's actually it was his dad's third wife, actually. <laughs> and he was married to another Catherine and another woman as well. But basically, Catherine was Shane's third wife, and they had Art O'Neill. Um, his dad died in 1567 when Art was a young guy. Uh, and he was t- that the dynasty was taken over by a lad called Turlock Linock O'Neill. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and he wasn't a big fan of young Art because Art was a bit boisterous and he had lots of ideas about how the place should have been run. Mm-hmm. So what Turlock did is he banished uh, Art away and gave Art's land to uh, his own supporters. So... Art, not knowing what to do, he went and lived with his mother's family, um, the Macleans of Duart Castle in Scotland. So Duart Castle is still there. It's on the west coast of Scotland, uh, the Isle of Mull, I think it's called. And it was the seat of the McLean, or the McLean, the McLean clan uh, for 700 years or something. Um, wow. It's really stunning. Uh, from what I've looked up online, uh, it's, it's a pretty popular tourist destination. Um, but it's exactly what you think it would be. It's like a lot of the castles we have in Ireland, except it's uh, on this beautiful island uh, that is right on the edge of the country. Um, so he went there for a couple of years. Then he said, look, feck this. I want to take my land back. So him and his brothers, uh, when they became old enough, 
uh, they started their own thing called the McShanes. So Mac, as we know, is son of Shane. Mm. The McShanes. Um, and they were a big threat to Turlock, Turlock, Linock in Tyrone. Um, so they wanted to take over the land that they saw as rightfully theirs. Um, so they got help from the Scottish McLeans. And uh, in 1584, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. 1584, uh, the McShanes, along with 3,000 Scottish uh, soldiers, uh, came to take over the land to kill Turlock and uh, so Art and his brothers could, I guess, take their seat at the throne, I suppose. It does sound very Game of Thrones-esque. Yeah, and look, and there's a lot more to this as well, and I I guess I really am trying to simplify it, and I'm sure there'll be people listening. Yeah, there's probably like days and weeks and months. It's like kind of like almost Lord of the Rings-esque where you're like 250 years past, but we're going to just simplify that down to a monologue. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly it. Like there's an awful lot in it. Uh, so this is as simple as I could get it. More for my understanding, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I was getting lost in articles with, do you know how many O'Neills there are? There's about oh, 50 different O'Neills. Yeah. Like, Which one is that and this? Um, but it's it's super interesting. So 3,000 Scottish soldiers came over from Duret Castle in Scotland and they were ready to fight uh, in the name of the McShanes so they could uh, rule Tyrone all over again. Um, but Turlock was like, no, we need some help here. What am I going to do? So he appealed to the British government to to help them. And they helped him and sent in reinforcements. Uh, and the Scots retreated. They yeah. said, no, actually, this isn't our fight. So they left. So unfortunately, the McShanes didn't get what they wanted in that scenario. Um, but during the first half of 1585, uh, the McShanes decided just to cause havoc in the lordship. They were like, well, look, if we can't rule the place, we're going to completely uh, cause chaos. <laughs> Absolute chaos. Uh, and because of this, Turlock lost control of the territory. So they came in and made it actually quite politically unstable. And he lost control. Basically, um, he just didn't have... They, people didn't see him as having the authority anymore, Turlock, right. because yeah. he let these McShanes run riot. Um, so he stepped down, but he had a chat with another guy called Hugh O'Neill, another O'Neill, <laughs> uh, and he became the successor. Um, so Hugh O'Neill then became the, the lord of the lordship uh, in the summer of 1585. However. So it, this is where it gets kind of complicated because um, while Ireland was still in control of, or, well, sorry, while Ireland was still in, while England was still in control of Ireland is what I'm saying, um, there was still, uh, Queen Elizabeth and the Crown was still number one. Mm -hmm. So what uh, Hugh O'Neill did, he, he was the new king or lord, should I say, he brought in a guy called um, John Perrault, Sir John Perrault, and he was Lord Deputy to Queen Elizabeth I. Um, and basically, he got him to endorse his rule. So John Perrault said, okay, you're the, you're the rightful Lord of this territory. Ultimately, you know, they wanted, the, the, the English wanted the, crown i suppose to own the land but they thought this was an easier route mm -hmm. and the line 
if we play ball with Hugh O'Neill, we might be able to seize power off him. Um, better the devil, you know, I suppose. So yeah. the Crown endorsed Hugh O'Neill's power. Uh, and Art O'Neill, he was considered a threat to the stability because he had already caused chaos. And that's why he was arrested. Right. Uh, because he was an absolute chancer, basically. Head the ball, as we call them. Exactly. You know, he seems like chief head the ball. Like, he really ran riot. So they arrested him so he wouldn't try and overtake the the lordship again. Uh, and he was imprisoned in Dublin Castle. Um, so just also to give you context on Dublin Castle. So that was built in, I think, the 13th century. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the site of a Viking settlement, I believe. So um, there's long time been a settlement there. Um, and it was the headquarters of the English and then later the British right up until the free state really 1922 Um, so that's where all the prisoners went basically so he was brought there Um, but knowing what we know about Art O'Neill he didn't uh, take that sitting down so um, in December 1585 uh, he broke out of prison for the first time and similarly, he hid in the Wicklow Mountains, uh, but he was recaptured quite soon after. Well, about a year after, not too... No, that's a lie. I'm looking at my notes. About two months after. Poor Eldar. <laughs> he was captured again in February 1586. Okay. So he lasted two months. And Joe, you know, it's mad. I think back then, you know, um, we don't have GPS. We don't have phone... Or back then, they didn't have phones or anything. So how did they find him in the Wicklow Mountains? Yeah. I've no idea. And, I, and back then as well, like you have to remember that anyone who's listened to this that knows Wicklow Mountains now, like Wicklow Mountains now is still somewhat wild. Like there's parts of Wicklow, especially where the route, this route goes. Like if you're, I don't know if you yourself have been, ever been up around um, uh, Mullachlevon and like that, that plateau, like just yeah. like where the three, uh, where Glenmalore, Glendalough and Glendasan all kind of descend down from this plateau. It's barren and yeah. there's nothing up there. And it's like, you could be up there for weeks and no one would ever find you. Um, and like that, that's now like, imagine what it was like back then when there was <laughs> nothing, there's no trails, no roads, nothing. It's it's mad. I like Wicklow is one of my favorite places in the world. I'm from Wicklow. I'm from Bray. I mean, some people would say that uh, I'm a fake Wicklow person because I'm from Bray. I'm from the border, but I spent an awful lot of time in the Wicklow Mountains for yeah. that reason alone. Just because it's it's wild and it's it's on our doorstep. You know, I've actually gotten lost many a time in the Wicklow Mountains, but thank God for apps like Hiker. Um, I found my way out. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I think back then it would probably have been a case that he probably sought help from someone mm-hmm. and they probably ratted him out yeah. for under threat or for money or whatever it was. But he couldn't have survived two months up there on his own. Yeah, like I have to imagine like there's probably also not that many people that were living up in the Wicklow Mountains back then. They're, like the towns like Lara, Glendalough, Glenmalore, you know, there's probably only a handful of houses that were in there. Um, and eventually the tax man's going to come around knocking on the door and tax men were also the soldiers, you know, so they were like, where is Art O'Neill? You know, he's got to be here somewhere. So I I can't imagine it was, you know, that long until someone spoke up. Exactly, exactly. And also remember that, like, you know, we were very much under English rule and um, it was scary 
to be yeah. Irish in Ireland at the time. So, uh, you know, you could have been killed. So you probably would have given them up. I don't know. Would I have? Oh, sorry, my laptop fell there. Uh, would I? Uh, would I have? Probably. <laughs> you know. <laughs> probably, yeah. Just uh, what you said about you know there probably wasn't a lot of people living up there. Now I don't know this for sure, but I think actually back then there was more than you think. Oh. Um, there's now look, it's it's later on, but there's a lot of um, famine settlements uh, up there in the middle of nowhere. Um, and then around like Blessington and stuff, there was a lot of little settlements there too. Now I'm not the Blessington sure. Blessington Lake as well yeah. is like a yeah. flooded village. I know, yeah. The the what's it the the urban legend of the steeple that you can see when the the water's low. Never it's seen fake. that. Yeah, it's fake. It's fake. I've had to look at it. And uh, 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 I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of, of other other uh, historical sites, but and maybe that's a, a chance for another podcast. But have you ever been to the? Uh, is it the Scotch Village? Um, no, I haven't, and it's on my list um, because it looks absolutely beautiful. But no, I haven't. I only really found out about it maybe a couple of months ago, and for whatever reason, weather being bad or whatever. I, I haven't got a chance to go out to it yet, but hopefully in the new year. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've been a few times. It's 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 uh, gorgeous. And it's just it's just uh, clearly you can see it's like an ancient small little village. Uh, I think, but I think it was built around the, kind of the same era, like around the the fourteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds, um, and it was uh, housed by um, mercenaries that were um, employed by the Latouche family, I think, um, to protect their land essentially. Uh, but they were all, um, I think they were Scottish. I, I believe they were, that, hence Scots Village, um, they were brought in. But I, I, I don't know the, the full history of it. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's cool. Like, like Wicklow was probably densely populated by, but probably a lot by, like, soldiers and, you know, a lot more people that were kind of aligned to the, to the English, to the crown. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, you know, you say the Latouche family there. So I've yeah. done a few videos on them. They used to own, um, I'm conscious we're going down a rabbit hole here, but they used to own the um, uh, the Glen of the Downs. They had an estate called Bellevue Estate. So that was their country retreat, would you believe? They owned feckin' half a Wicklow. Yeah. Um, they were a French Huguenot family. I think they came over originally around the 1600s, but... Um, they became very prominent. They also own Marley Park and half the Dublin Mountains. Yeah. And uh, they, yeah, but look, a lot of these families, that's it. They would have been very rich. They would have been um, nobility. They would have been given a lot of land by the English mm. government. Um, and then obviously when there was revolutions, they all got their houses burnt out and land stripped from them by locals, rightly. Um <laughs> Just a quick interruption to let anyone know who's taking part in the challenge this year that you can get all the mapping that you require for the route on Hiker Pro Plus. That's all the East-West mapping, all the OSI and Harvey mapping, all available on Pro Plus. And if you sign up before the 31st of December, you'll get 20% off your first year. Just head to hiker.app or upgrade via the app today. Okay, back to the conversation. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. But uh, yeah, look, Wicklow would have been barren. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, there probably, as you say, there, there probably would have been a lot of settlements there. But actually, when we look at the, the wilderness, the apps like it's it's pretty pretty bleak up there, and especially in the middle of winter. Yeah. Um, so I why he chose twice 
to break out in the middle of uh, winter. I don't know, but look. Also, um, a, a northern man as well, like trying to, <laughs> trying to navigate through the, the, the hills of, of Wicklow. And I, I don't know if this is something that you had uh, uh, found through your research as well. Is it, uh, you mentioned the cold and the cold in, in Wicklow in January, it's different. I actually had a friend that came over from the States there recently and he, he tried to, uh, another lunatic, he tried to, to r- run the entire Wicklow way um, <laughs> and starting at night. And anyway, he was, that's again that's another story um but he just he was like oh cold that's not that bad like you know one two three degrees that's that's not bad you know that's that's warm in some certain parts of colorado and the in these yeah. states and i was like no 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 no. wicklow is different like yeah. it, it, it gets into your bones it's that cold but back in fit in the 16 or in the uh, yeah, the, the night when this happened, or in the 1500s, I think it was the 15 and 1600s, was the the mini um, what was it, the like a, a mini or little ice age. So the experience in that t- time, it was like far colder. Like there was um, uh, recordings of the Thames River like freezing over. It was that cold. I didn't know that. Please tell me more. I didn't. Come That's on. all I know. <laughs> oh. Wow, yeah, so it's kind of like a weird weather event. That was a couple of years. It was years. a weird like weather event that happened over the course of maybe you know a couple of decades, where the winters were just much much colder than they are like now. So your average temperature in in Wicklow around that time probably was like in the low, you know, minus ten, right. minus fifteen, yeah. rather than what it's now, where it's like minus 10, minus five. Like I know once it's beyond beyond freezing, it you might not tell the difference, but as I just said there, Wicklow cold is different. And if yeah. you're like minus 15 versus minus five and you're trying to run away from, you know, an army. With nothing as with well. Nothing. Probably didn't even have a jacket or, you know, that's what's crazy. And and you're dead right. Like Wicklow, I have been on those mountains in winter when um, the freezing fog descends. Oh, God. It's, it's really frightening like it, it really is because just like that like I, I mean look I've like up spink or whatever you know what I mean but like when the fog comes down you can't see a thing mm-hmm. and it's actually very frightening so I and that's with way markers that's with apps I couldn't imagine what that would feel like without even a jacket on and you can't even see your hand in front of you so it was quite the feat I mean but I guess he saw it as you know it's this or die in prison so yeah why not yeah so yeah look he was recaptured and he was thrown back in prison seven years later so he was there another seven years in the prison he escaped again now this is the escape that i guess the challenge commemorates Mm -hmm. so he escaped again again as you say with his uh cousin henry and red hugh o'donnell um so what they did was (laughs) they they with the help of o'donnell he cut off his chains. So they would have been chained up. If, if Like really imagine like Tower of London stuff. Like yeah. they would have been chained to walls in cells. Um, so they managed to get their chains off and then they used a rope to climb down uh, into the sewer and the castle moat. Um, but on the way down, uh, Art injured himself. Um, so he, I think, let me look at my notes here. I think it was... He, 
he was struck by a stone. I'm not sure what was injured, but it made him. Um, it made it very difficult to to be mobile. It affected his mobility, mm-hmm. um, and that's not great when you have to make your way through a city. Started. As when you have to make your way through a, a guarded city, um, where people are looking for you, and then have to go all the way up to Glen Malore. Mm. So they all escaped on foot. Um, with the aid of a guide, so they had. I, I couldn't find the guide's name or who he was, but they did yeah. have help. Um, now I would love to know how they orchestrated that help. How did they get word to the outside, or was it a case of they they left and then they found someone to help them? I'm not I, sure. So uh, I I I do think that there was a. I, I just quickly glanced at a Wikipedia page on 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 this, and. I believe that it was Red Hugh O'Donnell because Red Hugh O'Donnell's like O'Donnell family was one of the other dynasties. Yeah. The O'Donnell family and they were based up in Tyrconnell, which is now Donegal yeah. or part of it. And I believe that he, um, what's the word where you a bribe, he bribed, uh, some of the soldiers to, to help get them out. And then Queen Elizabeth found out about this, and I think the, the soldiers that that were bribed, I believe that they were uh, executed. Sounds about right. Yeah. I know English. <laughs> Elizabethan. Okay, brilliant. Okay, thanks for filling in that blank. Yeah. yeah, I think the only way would have been bribery, I suppose. You know. But what did they have to bribe them with? Anyway, see, this is what I say about curious mind. I'm like, oh, now I've got to go figure that out. Um, <laughs> It's a it's a curse sometimes. Um, we'll, we'll we'll share notes. We'll share uh, YouTube video links. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I found I actually didn't look at the Wikipedia page, which probably would have been the best thing to do. I found loads of um, old, uh, like um, I guess uh, what's we're looking for, like academic papers. Oh wow! On okay. it. and then yeah. I went down a rabbit hole of um, Hugh O'Neill just before this, and I was like, wait, I'm. I'm now reading into his whole life story. I was completely getting pulled away. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but that, but that that's but that is the thing. Like, because I guess when I when I originally wanted to do this episode, it was um, a lot of people do the the Artemiel challenge. It's almost like a rite of passage for a lot. I actually met a guy who was hiking it the other day, and I asked, "Was it the first time he was doing it?" And he said, "Well, my dad did it, my sister did it, my mom did it." And now it's my turn. So it's almost like this, like passing of the flame type thing. Um, so like people have been doing this for for a number, a good number of years. It was originally started by a rugby club, I think. I can't remember which one, but uh, then uh, Dublin Wicklow Mountain Rescue took it over. And it's just it's just amazing event that goes on every year. And I know a lot of people know kind of who Art O'Neill is and kind of who Red Hugh O'Donnell are, but not like it's just good to know like. A little bit more about who these people were, but also the uh, as we're doing now, the events that led up to it, and there's things as well that like I don't know if it, they sparked kind of uh, flashbacks for you, but the term "flight of the of the earls" came up, and I was like, I remember that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. That was like like drilled into my head in secondary school. Yeah, that's gas. That's so funny. You know, that's why I love. Um, I guess look. I, I wouldn't even, I, I hike, I wouldn't call myself a mad hiker. I like history, I wouldn't Main call hiker. myself a historian. Yeah, 
But what I love about like challenges like this or historical roots. So like before we started recording, I was saying I've, I've done big chunks of the Camino and yeah. and even the Wicklow Way. I love when it's a, a route that has so much history in it. I love thinking of who walked this before me mm. and what were they thinking and why were they doing it? And, you know, so I guess for anyone who's doing the challenge, you know, I think it's really important to connect with with art and, you know, to think that this guy, you know, he all he wanted was just to get his land back. And he was banished by his family and then ended up in prison and he was just trying to save his life. And uh, that's the exact same route that, that you're doing, but 500 years later, which I think is so cool. And, and that's why I love history so much, because, like, I really do think we're all, you know, interconnected in some way. Like, we're a drop in the ocean, really, of time. Yeah. And, 500 years ago isn't that long ago but no not at all especially when you're up the Wicklow Mountains and you see like 5,000 year old tombs and stuff like that 500 years is nothing so yeah so so that's why I, I love to to kind of hike those routes and commend anyone who's who's doing the Art O'Neill challenge and um I guess when you're in the absolute thick of it and you're freezing your arse off uh to remind yourself it's fine. I'll be grand. I've got my Gore-Tex. Uh, like, exactly. Art didn't yeah. even have shoes at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and I hear there's people that give out coffee along the way. Am I, am I wrong? Oh, yeah. There's, uh, there will be a couple of aid stations, but one in particular is the Red Hughes uh, kitchen, which I think is gas because I don't think like there will be everything that's in the kitchen is all like hot food and bread and and you know, uh, blankets and uh, able to change your clothes. Like yeah. none of that existed back uh, back then. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, there's like hot soup. There's like a bunch of different things that are, are kind of handed out to kind of help people that are are maybe a little struggling. You know, a little bit. Um, but again, like in your in your research of 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 the, the of the, I suppose not just the erosion and, and the escape. What was <laughs> it's probably hard to pick out, but like what would have been the most shocking thing that you you came across one of the most shocking well, I think the whole thing is pretty shocking um, like yeah. Yeah. you know it's it's really interesting to I guess visualize Ireland back then yeah and to kind of see it as it once was like it was a very brutal place and uh you know no one thought twice about beheading you and I think the fact that you know there was all this uh, drama and brutality um just well you know actually I, I I would say god we haven't we come so far but actually you know this kind of brutality around land ownership um it still happens not in Ireland thank god um but uh, yeah I think the whole thing is pretty shocking and uh you know the fact that um yeah the fact that that you know land was the most important thing to everybody um, at the cost of human life, and uh, so I think the whole thing is pretty brutal, to be honest. It's it is, and it's it's interesting you say that because we're talking about um, yeah, land being like a, a kind of a God given right. It's uh, especially I suppose, I suppose since Ireland became a free state, and I don't want to go down another rabbit hole here, <laughs> but uh, that there is this sense that of ownership that like. Uh, your land is your land and no one else is allowed to go near it, no one allowed to go uh, to to trespass or anything like that and if you look over in in the uk and especially up in like scotland and in norway there's just different ideas around land these days there's a more kind of like 
holistic and like communal uh, view of land. Yes, you own the land. It's your right to do with it what you want. But the ability to share that land and to share that space um, for the good of society and for the good of, of nature that, uh, or, and for ecology, the environment um, is, is kind of precedent. It's, it's more important. But anyway, again, I'm going down another rabbit hole that we definitely don't want yeah. to go in this one. So you're, you're dead right. Look, just back then, I guess the, the most shocking thing about it is just how primal Ireland was. Yeah. Um, in, as I say, 500 years ago seems like forever ago, but it really wasn't. Like when we, we think about that, it was probably about what, 10 generations ago, yeah. 12 generations ago. Um, so, yeah, the whole thing is pretty brutal. <laughs> and that's what shocks me. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, to, to kind of wrap up, I suppose, um, excuse the pun, because Art O'Neill definitely didn't wrap up when he <laughs> went up to Glen Miller, uh, but he was injured when he left the castle. Yeah. And he was in a pretty bad state. Um, but they got pretty far and they found a cave uh, where they, and I don't know, if, is this on the route? Is the cave on the it route? It is, yeah. So it's, 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 it's more of, yeah, it's, it, it's a kind of enclosed kind of uh, shelter. I wouldn't go as far as to say it was a cave, but right. and there's, a, there's a nice big plaque there for you to go and have a look at. Yeah, um, yeah, I've seen pictures. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's there, and that's the, the spot where they believe that he, uh, he perished. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, as you say, imagine the snow, the rain, the hail. Uh, they went into this cave. And yeah, and that's where he died. And um, they did have help though from uh, Fiac McHugh O'Byrne. So he was um, again. All these families owned all this different land, and he was a chief based in Wicklow. Um, so he was a local, and and he helped them. But by the time he reached them, Art was in bits, and he was extremely ill. And um, unfortunately, we know his fate. Uh, he perished. Uh, but there is a cross um there from and that's also on the route i believe yeah yeah you yeah. have to get there if you don't you don't get to complete it so a lot of people previously now they, i think now there is a big spotlight and you can't miss it it's right there and it, it, it's uh there's mountain rescue people all around it and you, and, you, and you can't miss it but i think in previous years you had to be within like a certain distance of it they had like a tracker around it right and um, but you're left to your own volition to actually go near it and it's okay. it's quite like it's it's difficult terrain, let alone pitch black. Yeah. Um, if you're hiking it, obviously by then it's daytime and you're 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 going to have a bit of daylight. But if you're running it, it's nighttime and it's very very dark. I, I can't imagine. So the trails like are they quite hard to negotiate? They're not. Are they rocky? Are you climbing? What's the story? So. So okay, I suppose we'll talk about the route. So the yeah. route. Um, you can educate your... me here, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, it's something. Look, now that I talk to you about it, maybe some sometime in the future, maybe it'll be something. You should definitely do it. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, like, I, I, I would love to go back and actually hike it. Yeah. Um, and and hike it with a group of people and and kind of make a an evening of it. Um, yeah. and finishing in the Glenmore lot. I literally was about to say that. Get it. Get a find to Guinness in the Glenmore. Absolutely. I've been there in the Wicklow Way before, all right, and it's a, it's a great stop off. Yes, it really is. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, so the the route itself. So yeah, start in Dublin Castle, uh, but now you'll have to uh, break your leg because that's how Art O'Neill did it. Yeah. And um, so that's you start in Dublin Castle. You head out towards Harold Cross, Harold's Cross. And um, I might try and like visually put up a map of the route while uh, I, I, when I when I edit this. 
you run through um, Harold's Cross out towards kind of Furhouse area, out towards the Borna Breen Reservoir, and you pass that, and you're running out the roads there essentially, and you come to a crossroads, which then brings you all the way down the back, the side of Kipur, uh, the mountain, and then you eventually end up at Kipur Estate, and that's the kind of it's not the first checkpoint; it's like the it's the the you're now entering the mountain section. So you go in there, you get your hot cup of soup, you get your trail runners on if you're if you're running, or if you, you need to make any kind of changes to your to your outfit or anything. That's that's where you do that. From there, then you start heading over towards um, I think it's um, O'Donnell's Forest. Um, it's one of the many different forests that are all around that area. Is it after Red Hugh? Red Hugh O'Donnell. Red Hugh O'Donnell's kitchen. Uh, so it's named after him. Oh, sorry, O'Donnell's. Uh, potentially now because O'Donnell is 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 a uh, uh, Tyr Connell is like uh, Donegal, like Northern. Yeah. But as you said, like there was so many O'Neills, there were so many O'Donnells. Like it, it, uh, you never know. Leave um, a little Yeah, I trust you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then you you head down there. So that's the first kind of like trail um, that you get to. Everything up until there is like road, obviously in the city, and then kind of country road, boreens and, and stuff like that. Now you're onto a trail, and that's just like a kind of a, a you know a forest um, fire road. You know, like a stuff that the quilter will use to, to get their uh, their bulldozers down. So they didn't go through there. And then there's just like a little gap and you're up into the mountain. And from there, it's pretty much just open mountain. There is no trails. Wow. There are tracks. There might be deer tracks that exist there. But other than that, it's just like open mountain. So you're, you, this is where I suppose the other side of the challenge comes in is navigation. And yes, there's apps like Hiker, um, that can that can get you around, but you're talking about freezing cold in the middle of January, in the middle of winter. Um, like you, do, you don't want to 100% rely on technology, and this is the worst sell for a hiker in the world. But you have, and it is the rules. You have to have a paper map and a compass with you, and need you need to know how to use that as well. Um, so you need to figure out like your handrails. How are you going to navigate across this? piece of land so from there you're going across to um towards Mulaclevon uh which is one of the highest mountains in 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 uh in Wicklow uh, it just looks like a big bulge as most Wick- uh, mountains do uh you're going to cross that to a place called Billy Burns Gap which is a, a gap between Mulaclevon and another mountain which I've escaped the name escapes me but it's just a, a call a big kind of a saddle between two mountains and it is very windy up there. It's one of the windiest places in in in, in Wicklow. I can imagine. Um, I was only up there on Saturday, and I nearly got blown over a couple of times. It's it's really really windy. You then descend down towards um, Balnagee Bridge, which is uh, the in the Wicklow Gap. So if, I don't know if you've ever been in the Wicklow Gap before. It's like that road that goes all the way from. Uh, kind of Hollywood Blessington area, Valley Mount, yeah. past Mullaclevon, up past Tonnegee, and then eventually down into uh, Glendalough. Um, down to, it's like St. Kevin's Way is yeah, yeah, I know. Goes down that way. So when you get to there, then you, you go back onto a trail again. And you, again, it's like another kind of uh, 
fire track that brings you all the way up to uh, a gate. And once you get to that gate, then it, again, it's pure open mountain. And you're, you're kind of uh, walking, I think, I'm sorry, this is, I, I'm almost certain that this is the point at which Art O'Neill kind of suffered his final blow. So you have to make a river crossing at this point. And it's, it's a very deep river. And especially in, if there's rain at all or like heavy snow or heavy rain, the, the level of this river can get pretty high and the speed of the water is, is, is pretty fast. So if you slip into that water, even with all the Gore-Tex in the world, yeah. it's like if, if you get water, especially on, 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 uh, the, the, on your torso, it's, it's going to be pretty hard to kind of get through the rest of it unless you have like a change or you have to like dry off really, really quickly. At what point? Uh, so it's 60 kilometers long, if I'm not wrong. Is that it? Around, fi- between 55 and 60 kind of they because there's no actual route. It's yeah. they kind of estimate it. Yeah. So at what point is that river crossing? Like if you were to get wet, how long is then left after you? So I'm going to guess, but I'll, I might, I'll, I'll bring up the map on this one. Um, it, you're probably talking around, 45 kilometers 40 to 45 kilometers in at this point so he got pretty far but 10 or 15 kilometers well you have 45 behind you and and you had like tons like a lot more elevation you have a a couple of mountains that you need to climb after this yeah um and then yeah once you get up to this uh, when you pass that river if you do pass that river you then have to uh, climb up a mountain um, to, uh, to where Arts Cross is mm-hmm. and to be a bunch of people from Mountain Rescue that are there. There's actually a bit of crack there. I don't know how anybody could have any crack at that time. Um, but then you go from there and you, you have to find your line that will bring you over to Glenmalore. And I know a lot of people who have got to that point and have been uh, misled by the topography, like literally like the shape of the land has misguided them oh, wow. and they've ended up in uh, Glendalough. They literally just went into the wrong valley. Oh, that breaks and, my heart for them. Yeah. The wrong valley. And then people just go, you can see like, uh, like when, cause we, we would have people tracking it and you can just see their tracks and they're going around in circles and they're up and down and like, it, it can get really disorientating up there because, um, uh, Pete hacks, the top topography and peat hags. So peat hags are just like, it's basically bog that has subsided and you've just got these towers that are like six, seven feet tall and you will walk around one and try to correct yourself. But then all of a sudden you hit another one and it's like a labyrinth. Okay. And all of a sudden you're doing like a, a you know, a, it's like a, a mouse trying to get out of his, of a, of a, of a, of a maze. And yeah, it just disorientates. And that's why they kind of estimated because people end up doing like, some people end up doing like 65, 70 kilometers because they just keep going around in circles. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's nice though. You know, I think in this day and age, we're kind of spoiled for, um, with all the devices we have. And yeah. I think I, what I kind of love about hiking, and I'm not very good at it, but I, I love the idea of being able to find your way. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Of- and to follow your nose instead of just looking at a map now i do look at apps too um but it must be really gratifying to to kind of learn more about that about actual navigation and orienteering well that's that's it like i think 
um, again, I'm not going to sell Hiker really, really well here because I do think that that you know people sh- should be learning these skills. I think there, there's been a there was a bit of a paradigm shift over the last number of uh, sorry probably about 10 years ago when people just stopped going outdoors and stopped hiking and like the numbers of people that were doing that were diminishing and it was always seen as a, a, a as like a an older person's game you know you retire you start hiking whereas now in the last few years especially because of covid the numbers of people that are hiking are just through the roof mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing but there's a huge reliance on technology because we've grown up in that world with technology in our hands at all times and we're like, oh well, I can just use technology to to make me to help me do that. Yeah. But you've seen in the like, I don't know if you pay attention to this, but like, there are apps that will lead people the wrong way because they've got unverified content, or people are using Google Maps to hike a trail. You know, don't do that. That's just wrong. I will say I've used uh, another another well known app uh, which I haven't used again because it sent me uh, straight into a logging area. It was so ah. out of date. Uh, this was up in lockdown. I was going a, a different route around lockdown. And what's good though is is what I use the apps for is that it's really good to um I guess just get inspiration for new places. Oh, I get bogged down in the same places. But yeah, I ended ended up straight in kind of a, a logging area and uh I was like jumping over logs and there were sheep coming at me. It was terrible. Um so yeah, I mean, do you know what I did there? I, I had my head on my phone following yeah. it. I saw myself going into a logging area and I said, I know this still must be right. Let's see how yeah. far I get. Like, yeah. Rely on, I, rely on the, on the, the, the screen rather yeah. than the nature that's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's it. Um, I've learned my lesson, but, uh, yeah. I think, but I think it, 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 what we're, I suppose what we're trying to do and why we kind of involve ourselves in things like Art O'Neill um, and 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 we work with a lot of uh, mountain guides and mountain skills providers around uh, around the world. Is we want people to find that kind of empowerment or be empowered to to be a navigator themselves mm-hmm. and like to, to understand basic map skills. Like what yeah. does what does a map look like? What do what are con- what are what are contour lines? What's a peak? What's a, uh, a saddle? What's a call? All these things that you don't have to get too technical. But when you're in the wild, when you're like Art O'Neill um, and you have the luxury of a map and a compass in front of you that you know how to use it, you know. And um, we have it in us as well. Like I would argue that we've just gotten a, a little bit lazy. But, yes. you know, we are um, we're kind of animals at the end of the day. Like we're, we're primed for survival. I, I have a gas story. A mate of mine was doing the Wicklow Way with some friends and her dad is from like Barnacullia. So, um up near the blue light there he's a mountain man double mountain man and uh her and her mates got lost and one of the girls hurt her ankle and the fog started to descend and they didn't really know where they were and they couldn't see past their hands so my mate called her dad and said I don't know what to do this is where I am and he said okay what do you see and she's like oh there's a couple of trees and the sun is this side and whatever and he was like all right give me half an hour and about half an hour, 45 minutes later, they saw him come through the fog in the middle of the Wicklow Way. And I love that. He just grew up with it. It was nothing to yeah. him. That's what he did. He navigated the mountains. And uh, I think, yes, challenges like this, I think, um, can really take people back to that and, and get those skills because we're, we're all capable of it, you know? Yeah, that, that's it. Everybody is capable of this. And like I've done mountain skills training myself and I've seen people that have come to those training courses and they're just like, 
I hadn't got a clue what a contour line was. And now I can confidently pick up a map and tell you exactly where I am and how long it's going to take me to get over there and you know all these different things so it's it it definitely is something that's within us all we just need to you know give it a go and just try it and and you know hiker is obviously it's a in in a lot of ways it is a luxury to have an app like hiker but we try to instill that in our product where we give people proper maps so you're not just using like uh, a google map style kind of uh, really basic map you actually have like contour lines you have like the local knowledge in, in that in that map you know so um so when you are looking around and looking for like points of points of interest you're like oh okay I, that boulder actually has a name it's not just a boulder <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no really like what i've noticed about hiker is that it is far more thorough in terms of like it's a it's a it's a hiker's app yeah it's not a leisurely stroll on a sunday app and and that's what i'm really impressed there's a bit of that too we we, we don't yeah. wanna, we don't want to distance ourselves too much of that but 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 yeah you are right though we we are like if you're looking for tools if you're looking for something to help help you get outdoor and to get get confidence in the outdoors properly yeah that's what hiker is for yeah we're not like go for a walk in the park type of app um but uh like if you want to get all the tools to, to to practice and go down to your local park and do that by all means but like they, we definitely will be more kind of catered for the the serious hikers that, or the people that want to be the serious hikers absolutely um, yeah. Very accessible yeah so then the, the, i suppose that the, the the end of the route then is is getting onto table track uh which i thought was a a really like long-winded way of getting to the end i thought you just beeline down through the valley and if anybody's listened to this and they're just like, they're probably laughing, like listening to me say that because it is the worst place to go. Um, it's like you're probably on your own death wish by going down there because it's just like steep terrain going through a forest. There is no tracks for like miles. So you're better off going over to table track and you can just zigzag all the way down. And like, have you ever been up to table track before? No. no. Table track. Um, this is probably another th- uh, thing for you to go down a rabbit hole on. Um, as as pretty sure this is one of the original roads that existed that went over the Wicklow Mountains. Oh wow! Okay, um, and it will get you a good bit up the the up. It will get you a good bit up, um, Lugnaquilla. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, and it's over on the Glen of, Glen of the side of Lugnaquilla. So you 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 can go over, get onto table track, and basically run all the way down into into Glen Glenmalor. Um, now the finish line is no no longer at the car park there in Barravore. You have to run the road from there to Glenmalure Lodge. Oh wow! So for the runner, good place to finish it though. It is a good place to finish it, but that um, I don't know if you've ever walked on that road before. Yeah, I have. Yeah, that's yeah. grim. Yeah, it is grim. <laughs> so I'm not really selling Art O'Neill Challenge all that well, but uh... <laughs> no, it sounds incredible and really. I commend you and anyone who's doing it. I think it's 200 people doing it. Is that right? I think it's limited to 200 or 250. Yeah. There's, because it's on open mountain, they have to limit the numbers of people that of do it every yeah. year. Yeah. 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 Like I, I can only say good luck. I have no doubt that you're going to get through it this year. Sounds like I you've mean, been training. I, I, I have been training for it. I, I failed it last year. Um, the, the failure stirred up something inside me that i didn't know existed so i've had a year of of a lot of training i'm not trying to win it by any means but 
I'm definitely want to finish it. That's that's yeah. the goal. And uh, I didn't know. I, I sorry, I didn't know that it was a, a competition. I didn't know that you could uh, win it. I thought it was just do the challenge. Yeah, the, the run, the run would be yeah, yeah, yeah. Would be winners of the run. I don't know if there's necessarily winners of the of the of the hike. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, now I could be completely wrong in saying that, and people are like, there is, and I won it five times. <laughs> um. But uh, I suppose, like obviously, hiking is far less competitive than than running is. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> absolutely, and that's why I uh, never run. Well, the most <laughs> running I've done, I, I did the ten k, the women's mini marathon, and I oh, hated yeah. every second of it. I absolutely hate it. Turns out I flat feet, so it was extremely painful. I was like, why is running so hard? So uh, hiking is my thing. Slow and steady wins the race. Look at this. The saying is uh, stop and smell the roses, not run through the field and smell as many roses as you can. Dead right. That's it. That's it. And when you're doing it, think about poor L. Art O'Neill who lost his life up there. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially after having this conversation and and all the videos that I've watched in in, in leading up to this as well. (laughs) I'll be like, he ran through here and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Ireland's great. Like, you know, Ireland's, and like, this isn't the only historic route. There's hundreds of historic routes all over Ireland. So, I mean, this is probably one of the harder ones, but (laughs) (laughs) don't be bothered, you Yeah, well, look, uh, hopefully you'll get to do it one of these days as well. Uh, Get to do the hike. Um, But it is, anyone listening to this as well that hasn't done it before, um, I haven't done it before myself, but I know a lot of people that have. I've tried it before. Uh, just even the the buzz down in Dublin City in the Dublin Castle, um, Jane. Actually, even if you're around yourself on the evening, just come down to the castle. The buzz is absolutely electric. Really, um, just everybody buzzing to get out and just just start and just get it done. Um, you've got the runners, you've got the walkers, you've got the Dublin Wicklow Mountain Rescue, you've got everybody there, all the supporters. It's it is a really it's a it's a great thing to be part of. Um, so. Best of to everybody that's taking part in it this year. Hopefully, I'll see you at the start. Hopefully, I'll also see you at the finish this time. And uh, you, will. We'll, you will. We'll get a we'll get a hot meal and a pint of Guinness when we when we finish. Dead right. Well, Jane, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I don't think this will be the last time we'll be having a talk. I think we can go down a couple of uh, rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great chatting. Happy to come on anytime. Um, and if you're interested in all my history tidbits, my Instagram is at janecasey.ie and I'm also on TikTok as well. So Good give me stuff. a follow, send me a message. Definitely do, definitely do. Jane, thanks again. Cheers, Owen. A huge thanks to Jane again for joining me on the show and putting in the research on this really interesting topic. I could have spoken to Jane for another hour about this, or anything about history in general. If you're down at Dublin Castle on the 12th of January, come say hi. I'll either see you there or at the finish line, hopefully this time. That's it for this episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, please show your support by liking, sharing and commenting on whatever platform you're using. We'll be back in the new year with another episode of the Hiker Podcast. So until then, happy trails.